HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. This week on Meet and 3, it's the final episode of our series on global trade. We're thinking futuristically, from China's ambitious plans for a new Silk Road to the future of borders and automation. If you're a banana, you know, it's easy to cross the border. But if you're a person who's trying to follow the jobs, uh, it's a lot more difficult, if not impossible, to do so in an authorized and safe fashion. They love food trucks and they love growing your own food because these things are not dependent on essentially government systems. So there's a whole politics to pretzels on the dark web. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. This is the 280th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an attorney-turned-food personality, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to take a leap of faith. Take risks and go after what you want. Don't be afraid to change things up and go in another direction or even take a break. As we get older, our values and interests may change. And frankly, that's normal. It's good to grow and try new things. So let's not have any regrets and instead seek to seek what fulfills us and makes us the happiest. That's my tip today. Now I'm thrilled to have my guest joining me. It is Valerie Lomas. She is an attorney turned food personality who transitioned from hobby baker and blogger to full-time foodie after winning season three of ABC's Great American Baking Show. Valerie's debut cookbook will be published in September 
She is a regular contributor to Food Network Kitchen and has made numerous TV appearances, including on CNN and NBC. Her writing and recipes have been in the New York Times, Food and Wine, the cover of Better Homes and Gardens, and more. She is also a contributor to NYT Cooking and co-host of Why Food here on Heritage Radio. So welcome to the show, Valerie. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you you invited me. Well, I'm so glad I did too. I'm as as we were saying before we started rolling here. Um, we used to see each other a lot at, at events, and uh, I miss seeing you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I first met you like in 2018 in Chicago yeah. at one of the like beard award parties exactly i remember i and i was looking actually was looking back at old photos to see and i have one of us in the media room um with kat kinsman (laughs) and um, yes totally i remember that (laughs) yeah and you were a presenter at the awards which is amazing (laughs) yeah no it was it was my first and only chicago beard awards and it was it was so awesome i was you know hoping to go back last year but you know who knows who knows what's in the future hopefully there will be more gatherings with us food folks yes me too me too and I know you had you had a big day because <laughs> I I caught your live with Kelly and Ryan which is a, and you're cooking jambalaya it was um it, you're so natural on tv and the recipe looked delicious um I was so impressed <laughs> yeah, no, that that was like a really exciting um and it all just came together and happened like so quickly that um I don't even know if I had time to really process it. Um but I actually I love live TV and I love having a chance to interact with other people as I'm cooking, so that was uh really really a special treat, especially since um you know, we we just aren't spending as much time in studios or on sets these days because of protocols about COVID. So, um, you know, they they had everything buttoned up so tightly and um, everyone definitely felt really safe. And I am just so glad I was able to be in the studio and actually get to kind of like hang out with Kelly and Ryan a little bit. And they are both like just super sweet and um, really awesome hosts. Yeah, well, from watching it, you could tell like that the whole experience was was great, and um, that Kelly and and Ryan they were they're both into what you made, so or what you guys <laughs> made together. So um, yeah, congratulations! It's 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 amazing to turn on the TV and see you on. <laughs> right, thank you. And like honestly, just so much needs to be said for culinary producers and food stylists because. Um, they really keep everything going. Yeah, well, um, they do. I mean, there are a lot of behind-the-scenes people for sure, and it's great to give them a shout-out, so I'm glad you did. So I always start out my show uh, getting some my guests' background of how they got into what they're doing today, and your story is, is definitely a, a cool one. I mean, you went from attorney into a uh, full-time foodie. So, so why don't you take us back a little bit at like the beginning of your career and then how you started baking? Yeah. So, I mean, the beginning of my career, I guess as a, it's kind of hard to say the beginning of my career as a lawyer, because when you're in school and you just keep going back to school, there's not really any like 
demarcation of like, and now you're there. So, um, but as far as baking, it's something I did growing up that I, that I always enjoyed. Um, and I'm really, it's, it's interesting because during the recession, um, I didn't have a job and it was really, it just ended up being, um, you know, kind of like a silver lining of it all that I was able to have this hobby. So I started blogging about baking my last year of law school. And um, it actually like, I did not even apply for a single job my last year of law school, because the economy, like, especially when it comes to corporate law, it was in such a place that um, it was like people who graduated the year before us, they had gotten laid off before they even started their jobs. So I was just like, you know what? I'd rather go to France for the year. So um, I blogged the last year. Then after I graduated, I went to France and I was just like eating my way through the country. I was also working part-time as a language assistant, but while I was eating, um, I discovered macaroons and I was like, you know what? I want to bake these. So, um, and I, I told myself, I was like, when I moved, when I, when I leave France, I'm going to open up a business and I'm going to open, it's going to be a macaroon business. And, um, oh boy, little did I know, um, <laughs> yes, little did I know how, but like I, I moved to New York and, um, I decided, well, Hey, I need to learn how to make these. So first started the process of learning to make them. And then once I mastered them, um, I applied for the for a program, the incubator at Hot Bread Kitchen, and I was accepted. And then I started like selling, I made them at that commercial space and I was selling them on the weekends. And it was actually going really well, um, except for the fact that I was having to take time off of work to prepare for these markets. And, you know, I like graduating into the recession, I was just at a point where like I really appreciated like having a job and having a chance to work in my field. So the timing just wasn't right. And I stopped selling macaroons and I, you know, I blogged every so often, but, um, you know, I spent about five years, not, not so intimately entwined in the food business, but it was once I got on Instagram, you know, that's when I started back into this kind of mindset of, um, of just trying to be really active and get something off of the ground. And that was about five years ago, four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. So, so you were learning how to bake just on your own. You didn't go take any classes or have any mentors. Well, yeah, I mean, so I had the foundational aspects of home baking because my mother, I, I used to always tell people, oh, my mom doesn't cook, but she bakes. Um, so we baked a lot of, you know, my ancestors' recipes. Um, and all of those are in my cookbook. Uh, like one is literally over 100 years old. It's been in my family for that long. And my mom, she's just one of those people who's really big on tradition. So if it was like making, you know, my great, great aunt's dinner roll recipe or making my, you know, my grandmother's cake or this grandmother's cobbler. Um, that's what I grew up doing. And, you know, it was, 
interesting because, you know, when I left Louisiana to go to college, I think I was too busy in college to really think about um, much. But when I was in law school, it's just so stressful. And that's when I realized I needed an outlet. And that's when that desire to start baking really um, came to the surface. So even though I had like the foundational aspects of baking, um, it was really through like cookbooks, a lot of trial and error. And I just got to a place where I was trying to find any little like evening or weekend course. Um, So in a, a class that I took when I was in law school, it was at a local community college and it was about piping buttercream, like something that sounds so basic, but um, because I learned how to use a piping bag, that was a skill that came in handy when I decided to teach myself to make macaroons. So for sure. Um, So then what inspired you to audition or uh, for uh, America, uh, the great American baking show on ABC? Um, And what was that whole process like of I guess, getting accepted as a contestant and then winning the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, it's, it's so funny because, um, I mean, as I mentioned, I, at this point I was on Instagram and I, I felt really out of place on Instagram because the accounts that I saw that were successful, they were very niche. Um, so it was like, this person focuses on cakes or this person does this, or this person makes smoothie bowls. And I think I did it all. I, I really kind of started, well, I started with baking, but that was about for a month. And then I moved to smoothie bowls because people were just telling me like, oh, nobody wants to see a bunch of brown things on an account, like cookies (laughs) and pies. Um, and (laughs) (laughs) and I actually like, I probably had a smoothie every day for five years before I started putting smoothie bowls on Instagram. But it's funny because once I started putting smoothie bowls on Instagram, I stopped drinking smoothies. That's like a whole nother story. (laughs) But, um, but like after I like got out of the smoothie bowl, um, you know, black hole, and I was just asking myself, like, what is it that you want to make? What is it that you want to share with everyone? And even though I didn't fit into a niche like other accounts that I saw flourishing, um, because I think because I had, you know, a, a full-time job and I wasn't really expecting this to necessarily take off, um, I felt kind of comfortable, like, okay, one day I'm going to post pie and the next day I'm going to post croissants because... I love to make croissants. I love laminating dough. Um, You know, I was a French major. I lived in France several times. And um, it's funny because I was not niche is how I ended up getting asked to audition for the Great American Baking Show. So a casting producer saw my account and said, hey, uh, I see that you make a lot of different types of things. Um, And they're like, on our show, you'll, you know, you'll need to make cakes and pies, but you're also going to need to know how to make puff pastry. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay, cool. I'm in. Um, so it was funny. Cause like what I saw initially as a crutch and even still, you know, I, I think as far as like social media growth strategy, it definitely does help to be very niche and to, you know, to stick with, <laughs> stick with the theme. But at the same time, by having shown a little bit more breath, I made myself, um, appealing to this casting producer. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I mean, you have built a, a a big following on Instagram over the years as well. So 
you, you know, what you're doing is working, but it's funny how you thought, you know, you had to change things up and actually that's what you were doing caught their eye. Uh, so, so you won this competition and then it wasn't allowed to air, <laughs> which was unfortunate, but how, I don't know how much you want to talk about that or how did you then pivot into promoting that you won being that the show didn't, didn't, wasn't allowed to be seen? Yeah. So, I mean, actually, so the first two episodes aired and then like the whole Mario Batali scandal went down. And I think that just kind of like um, put the focus on, on that network and on, on celebrity chefs in a way that maybe it wasn't prior to that happening. Um, because, you know, some names are bigger than others, which just, which just garnered more attention than others. So um, I like once the show was canceled, I was just like, what the heck am I going to do? Because it was just like a lot of a lot of strange things started happening. So I just reached out to my network and having gone to USC, um, a lot of my friends are in the Hollywood industry. They're actors, they're whatever. So they have like agents and publicists. And, you know, I was just putting out like mass calls to people like help. And someone responded and was like, hey, I know this woman and she is an amazing publicist and you should reach out to her. And, um, you know, I, it's funny because I, I had no idea how any of this stuff worked. I mean, I like the only, the, the only set I had been on was the great American baking show. And when you're a contestant on a show like that, you're not like really involved in like the aspects of production in a way that like talent typically is. So, um, so this woman, her name is Joy Donnell. Um, I reached out to her and it was really, it was before ABC even made the announcement that I have won. And when I reached out to her, she was just like, um, she just decided she was going to help me. And, um, you know, for a very, very nominal fee, she, um, had it so that several publications were watching into this Facebook live segment that I did after they made the announcement that I won. And those publications were, um, like the rap people and maybe one or two other ones. And they all wrote stories. So then when they wrote stories, it was like this domino effect of something that, you know, otherwise would have gotten like absolutely no publicity. Um, it was a domino effect and people started covering the story. So um, it was like very, you know, intentional that this happened as far as like publicity about me winning. Um, and it was also like this announcement was also, it was literally the Friday before Christmas. So like everyone was going on break. So it was like, you know, really inopportune timing, but for like that, like day and a half, like just so many publications picked the story up and I was asked to go on CNN's headline news. And, um, you know, it, it definitely gave me some validation. And then one of those people who heard my story was Adrian Miller, who is a food historian and also a James Beard award-winning um, author of a book, Soul Food. And he has a book coming out this month called Black Smoke. And he, he DM'd me on Facebook and was just like, and he's also, he was also a lawyer actually. And he just told me, you know, I heard about what happened. Like, can you talk? And I was like, sure. You know, so we, he called me 
and we talked and he was like, you know, I'm going to reach out to people in my network. And he sent a mass email to people in his network. And one of those people was Kat Kinsman, who is how, uh, how you and I met, Sherry. Right, so, I know. It's all, yeah. it's all and, tying together. <laughs> so it was just a domino effect at that point. Wow. I mean, and I love, I love hearing great stories with PR people being a publicist and that you're, I mean, that's smart to do your Facebook live and get journalists watching. Um, it was a good strategy, I would say, <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so then how did you, how did you get involved with Food Network Kitchen? Because you now have a new show, Valerie Bakes Your Questions, which I've watched some of the episodes. And again, you're just so good on camera. <laughs> and, and, oh, and, and the recipes and the recipes are, are so, you know, I, I was I was watching the red velvet cookie one and it's like it just made me want to bake. So you're doing you're doing <laughs> a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, So yeah, my like first series just launched this month. Valerie Bakes Your Questions. Um, It's a Food Network original digital series and anyone can watch it on foodnetwork.com. I found Googling Valerie Lomas Bakes Your Questions Food Network will like take you to the the page with all of the episodes. Um, But yeah, it's also on the Food Network Kitchen app. And um, the way that came about was when Food Network Kitchen was launching, and I think they were just kind of putting together various um, various chefs and us chefy people um, to contribute. Um, you know, they reached out to me, and so I recorded I recorded a few classes, um, but that was like November before that was November, 2019. So, you know, the world was a very different place Mm, then. True. And um, yeah, you know, and just like early 2020 things circled back and um, you know, we were just running through ideas and I was just so glad that this is something that they, that they were excited about and that they, um, that they gave the green light. So we produced the show in November, um, January 1st productions, um, was the production company that produced it. And it was like such an incredible, like special experience because um, in so many ways it was just like, okay, this is like the culmination of just so much like hard work, so many like wishes and dreams and prayers. And it's like um, to have that chance to just kind of like connect with people in a more cohesive way with like different episodes where, you know, we're focusing on different recipes and we get to talk about different things. Like, you know, you mentioned the red velvet cookie recipe, which is, or episode rather, which is seriously one of my favorites. And if you're going to watch any episode, I recommend that one. And, you know, it's, it's about red velvet cookies, but it's also about love and, um, and just the different places where we, can find love and where we can give love and different ways we can give love and show love. And, um, yeah, so it was just like incredibly special and I'm so glad like it's out in the world now. And I really hope all of your listeners have a chance to check it out. Yeah, no, I guess I, I picked, I picked the the right one to be watching, but I'm sure, no, I I mean, I'm going to, they're all, I'm sure they're all fabulous, but that was a very sweet one with, with Valentine's. So, um, <laughs> there's a mystery Valentine. If, if people need any other incentive to watch it, 
You yeah. get to see who my Valentine was this year. Yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> so let me ask you my question for my last guest. On episode 279, I had on Mark Bittman. He's a former New York Times columnist. He's a leading voice in global food culture and policy, the founder of the Bittman Project, and the author of his new book. Oh, he's authored 30-plus books, but his latest book is Animal Vegetable Junk, A History of Food from Sustainable to Suicidal. So he wants to, he, he said, uh, he loved meeting you by phone because he was on your show recently. And he said he didn't know you about your cookbook and he was curious what inspired you and what recipe you like the best. And he said, he, he actually said when people has, ask him that question, he, he has a hard time answering it, but that's what he's asking you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Which recipe do I like the best in my cookbook? Um, I'm, you know what? I'm going to say my biscuits recipe and I'm not going to give away of the name of the biscuits just yet but um they're very special for a number of reasons um they have like a huge like family tie-in like and there's also like not only are they one of my favorite things to make one of the things I think are the tastiest but it's one of um one of my favorite stories in the book Cool. And what inspired you to write your cookbook? Um, I just felt like I had a lot to say. <laughs> like, it's it's so interesting when you're, especially like, uh, like, honestly, if I'm being, if I am being completely honest with myself, I have wanted to write a cookbook for a very long time. It just never felt possible. So it was one of those, like, you know, pie in the sky kind of dreams that it's like, I dare not even think about this because I will just be disappointed. But um, after, you know, after I went through like being a part of what ended up being, you know, a, a news story that got national attention and even like some international outlets picked it up. Um, it was like, there was a story that was being told and I was an element of that story. Um, and I had like literally no say in anything about the narrative of that story. And I had nothing to do with the story except for being, you know, like in the, like collateral damage essentially. So by writing a book, it was like, I had a chance to take, um, to take my story into my own hands. And um, it, it has nothing to do with like, with th this narrative that was kind of layered on top of me winning this show. Um, I was able to just share like a much deeper, much more personable um, story and recipes. Like the recipes themselves are um, in so many ways, they are so deeply personal um, as food is. So yeah, those are like so many reasons why I wanted to write a book so many. Yeah. And I, I heard you, you say on the show this morning, um, the title, did I get it right? It's life is what life is what you bake it. Yes. Okay. That's fabulous. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean like 
So one thing when the show was canceled, I said, I was like, when life gives you lemons, make lemon curd. And like lemon curd, it was in one of the winning dishes on the show. And like, I just love lemon curd. I think like with desserts, I, I don't like desserts that are like super sweet. I think a lot of, a lot of, you know, pastry and dessert people, they don't like stuff that's super sweet. Um, so lemon curd, it's like already just one of my go-to things. And, and I just wanted to kind of like continue that conversation of like, um, you know, do something with these lemons, do something. Yeah. Well, I, it's, I'm excited for it to come out. So that's another. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's very cool. What about, let's talk a little about the New York Times because you, you're also writing for for them. <laughs> how, how, yes. Yeah, what, what type of recipes are you doing? Oh, it's really nice because um, they really give me um, the freedom to just like write recipes that I want to write. And the same thing with Food Network Kitchen, like in addition to like the, the six episodes, six recipe series um, about baking, I also do, you know, other contributions for them. So I do a lot of recipes that are like, you know, stuff I grew up eating, which are like Louisiana kind of dishes. Like I did a shrimp creole that was super popular. Um, I also, I made a tomato heirloom tart um, because I make a lot of tarts and pies and that one ended up also being really popular. And I share some baking, some baking recipes on New York Times cooking as well. Um, I did a upside down apricot cake last summer, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I've done a pumpkin cheesecake. I did a jelly cake. Um, so it's really nice to just kind of like have a space to um, to share recipes that are kind of, you know, in a lot of different genres of food. Yes. And it reaches so many people through um, NYT cooking and, you know, not necessarily people who would be on Instagram, you know, scrolling through food accounts, but, you know, it, it, the audience, you reach a large audience. So that's, that's wonderful. Right, right. So let's take a little break and we'll come back and we'll play my speed round game. We'll talk some industry news. We'll have my solo dining experience. And the final question, this is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based consumers in your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier with no cholesterol and less saturated fat, and it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble. Great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also a frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. 
Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing and Bon Appetit says, it's so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st slash hrn. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Valerie Lomas. She's an attorney turned food personality who is the winner of season three of ABC's Great American Baking Show. She's also a regular contributor to Food Network Kitchen as well as NYT Cooking and the co-host of Why Food on Heritage Radio. Okay, so it's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. You ready? I'm ready. Great. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. (laughs) Wine, beer, cocktail, soft cocktail, or champagne? Champagne. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. (laughs) This is really, I'm really telling on myself here. It's good stuff. Good stuff. How about um, small plates or large plates? Hmm. I'm going to go with small plates. Large plates is always too much food. Okay. How about communal table or chef's counter? Now I'm thinking of Kat Kinsman with communal table. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Tying her totally into this show. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go with chef's counter. I like to feel special. Yeah. As as you should. Okay. How about tipping or all-inclusive charge? Uh, Let's go with tipping. Cakes, cookies, pies, or donuts? Ooh. Cookies. Cookies. Cookies win. (laughs) Okay, I got three more. Cooking on camera or hosting a podcast? Cooking on camera. Although I love my podcasting. It's so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> sorry to make you choose <laughs> and I, your show's great it's uh why food I re- it's a great one part of i love i love that we're both a part of heritage radio together thank you okay last two cheese plate or dessert definitely dessert manhattan or brooklyn mm, okay i live in manhattan so like i have to say manhattan i've never lived in brooklyn yet All right, that's the game. It's time for my solo dining experience. But before I get into it, just a heads up, we had some technical difficulties. And so we took a a break and I'm back now. It's Tuesday, February 23rd, and I'm going to wrap up the show without Valerie, uh, who I greatly appreciate coming on and speaking with me. And I'm sorry we're not going to finish out together, but um, it's time for solo dining. So here we go. This week, I went to Wu's Wonton King. Here's the rundown. The location, 165 East Broadway, corner of Rutgers, Rutgers on the Lower East Side in New York City. The concept, authentic Chinese restaurant specializing in Cantonese cuisine. The owner, Derek Wu. Why did I go? 
because I wanted to celebrate the Lunar New Year. And this is actually the year of the ox, which is my zodiac sign. My experience. So I went as a walk-in. It was actually on Valentine's Day on a Sunday. And um, they have a tent outside. I uh, went over there. They had lots of tables available. Well, it was about a third full, I would say. But it was very spacious. Um, Everyone was wearing masks. There's hand sanitizer on the table. And I got a nice two-top. When they brought the menu, they gave me hot tea, which was really nice because it still is very cold out. Um, The server helped me deciding what I wanted to order. Uh, The portions there are pretty large for family family style sharing. Um, So it's a little challenging to be a soloist, but I made it work. So what did I get? I had the roast duck and roast pork combo with a side of rice, and it came with sweet and sour sauce. And I also got sautéed sweet sautéed snow pea sprouts with garlic. My take. I really, really was happy with my order. It was a nice balance between the meat and the greens and very super flavorful meats. Um, The food there is quite delicious. I had leftovers and uh, I enjoyed that the next day. So the ambiance is it's a giant outdoor tent with plastic coverings on the sides. They have heaters throughout the space. Um, There's some two tops and four tops. And then there's some large round tables for groups, which they have, um, which they're known for inside having large format setups with Lazy Susans um, indoors. I didn't see Lazy Susans outside, but they had the setups um, for the large tables for big parties. I'd say it's perfect for uh, big groups. Uh, interesting tidbit. Uh, Woos is known for their whole suckling pig and giant live Alaskan king crab, which needs to be ordered in advance. And this restaurant is also an industry favorite. I see people posting all the time on Instagram about it. Personal fun fact. So I've been to this restaurant a few times. Um, I went several years ago. I went for a solo lunch and I had a wonderful wonton soup. Um, back when I was there. Um, Yeah, I think it was about three years ago. And then two years ago, I celebrated my birthday there with a group of friends. And we did get the whole pig and we got a king crab. It was an eight pound king crab. Um, uh, I think I'm going to post some pictures later because it's quite it's quite spectacular. And then they they serve it multiple different ways. So it was it was a great group birthday celebration. Um, And then I was there last year too with my client, uh, Hazel from Gumption Coffee. So uh, I guess I'm kind of a regular there, but it's spread out. The cost of this meal was $39, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. I'd say solo for lunch and dinner with a group because I think it would be easier to do solo at lunch. They have more options rather than um, the family style Uh, portions, which, uh, as I said, was a little challenging, but having leftovers was not such a terrible thing. Website is wooswontonking.com. So this week, we'll skip the final question, and I will just wrap things up. Many thanks to my guest today, Valerie Lomas. She is the winner of season three of ABC's Great American Baking Show, Her debut cookbook will be published in the fall, and check her out. She's on Food Network Kitchen. Her recipes are in NYT Cooking, and she's here on Heritage Radio with her show, Why Food. You can also find her at foodieinnewyork.com 
and on social media at Foodie in New York. You can find me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also in iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Many thanks to my engineer, Amanda Wang, and thanks again to Valerie and her assistant, Phoebe. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week, Wednesday, March 3rd, with Hong for a new show. So I hope you'll tune in then. Stay safe and well, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.